Um, we got no Sunday school already. And, and in case you didn't know, you should, <laughs> we didn't have it. All right. Um, we do have morning service, no evening service tonight. Y'all watch some football, eat some turkey or ham or whatever. Find something to eat and uh, enjoy the, the warmth and the heat. And then as well, want to remind you too that we will have a service this coming Wednesday as normal Bible study. And then uh, next Sunday is New Year already. So next Sunday is a whole new year. Uh, it is January the 1st, so that's 6.30. We're going to be having a vision night. We're going to be revisiting our mission, our vision, and kind of looking at what next year prayerfully will look like. And then on January the 8th, we'll be having our annual business meeting uh, at 6.30, and that meeting will be for church members only. That will be in lieu of Bible study. We will have a few things to cover. So just mark those things down. And I want to remind you as well, I think I had a little little note to remind everybody, uh, today is the last day if you do uh, give anything uh, for your for your 2022 tax season, all right, uh, if that matters to you or not. But there that is. Uh, but anyways, this morning, let's pray. And the jail is going to come and lead us. We're going to sing. We're going to worship the Lord today. And I'm thankful that we've got heat, thankful we've got lights, thankful we have the Lord and that we have his presence. But let us uh, pray. Almighty God, we come to you this day. We want to thank you and praise you, Lord, that we can gather on this Christmas morning. Lord, what a wonderful time it is to celebrate this season and, and especially to sit aside this day, the Lord's Day. Lord, not just to worship you because it's Sunday, but as well because Christ has come. And Lord, to celebrate uh, what that baby did for us, that he uh, rose, uh, uh, he lived, he, he died, he rose, and he's coming again for us. Lord, what a truth this is. Help us today, Lord, just to, to block out all the distractions and all the other things that we've got going on today and, and over the next few days and all the cleanup and all the mess left at the house and just to focus on worshiping and your presence, Lord. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your kindness, your faithfulness to us, Lord, and I pray for your power and your presence to be known today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen and amen. Merry Christmas all blessed be the name of the lord happy birthday jesus today is when we recognize his birthday so if it i'm gonna ask the pastor is it okay if we sing happy birthday is that not appropriate is that okay okay well you might as well stand so you can really blast out we're gonna sing <laughs> you know it's our savior's birth well somewhere close we hope i don't guess nobody knows exactly what day he, he was born on, but uh, anyway, this is a day that's been set aside for us to recognize his birthday, so I think it would honor and glorify him if we sung happy birthday to him. Amen. Oh, we got music. Praise the Lord. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Jesus. Happy birthday to you. We hope it pleased him. Our first song is Away in a Manger, hymn number 262. And Luke 217 tells us, And she, Mary, brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And there's several songs <laughs> just about that verse. But thank God he came, and thank God uh, he give us eternal life through his birth, life, death, burial, and resurrection, and shed blood. Away in a manger. 
Jesus laid down his sweet head. The stars in the sky looked down where he lay. The little Lord Jesus asleep on the sing that song and I know traditionally it's a children's song but don't forget we're children we're children of the most high amen uh, angels we have heard on high hymn number 278 Luke 213 tells us and suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying angels we have heard on high amen Jesus, Lord of heaven. 
again, and the people said, Amen. The birthday of a king, hymn number 284, Luke 211 tells us, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. The birthday of a king. Christmas season here just for a moment. Shake hands. Wish everyone a Merry Christmas. Tell them you're glad to see them whether you are or not, okay? <laughs> and just make everyone feel welcome. If you see a visitor, please go to that person shake their hand.
Okay, looks like most everybody's made their rounds and said hello and welcomed everyone. So if you've done all that, you've earned the right to sit down, which most of you know that. And we have a <laughs> we have a special now by Emily and Cammy. And y'all doing one or two? Just one. One? Okay.
Praise the Lord. I tell you what, that done me some good, didn't you? Spiritually speaking. Spiritually speaking, that was a blessing from heaven, as far as I'm concerned. Thank y'all. Thank you, Jesus. Please pray with me. Our Father, our God, we thank you, Lord, that you're the mighty God, the counselor, the prince of peace, the everlasting Father. We thank you, Lord, for all that you are. Thank you for this blessed season we have that families can get together in your name and honor and glorify you through all the, the fixings and uh, Lord fellowship that's all around about you, Lord. We praise you and thank you for that. Lord, uh, we want to ask you, Lord, to continue to bless here this service. And uh, thank you, Lord, for the special singing and the songs that's uplifting to you. We pray, Lord, that it's been a blessing to you and brought honor and glory to you. We ask, Lord, now that you'd bless our pastor and fill him with your spirit, Lord, and give him guidance and direction and boldness and wisdom to preach the message from your word to your people through him here today. And, Lord, if there's one soul in our midst, today would be the day of salvation for that person, that they wouldn't put it off no more. And, Lord, help us as your children, Lord, to listen to what you have to say uh, through your man here today and from your word. And, Lord, help us to be challenged, encouraged, convicted, and help us to be changed from meeting here today. In your honor, in your name, we meet. And then we ask and pray all things in your name. Amen. Okay, Cammie uh, and Emily's song leads us right in to this next song, In Christ Alone. John 14, 6 tells us, Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. So that's in Christ alone. And Acts 4, 12 tells us, Neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved in Christ alone. And you may be not, I mean, you may stand, but you're already standing, ain't you? <laughs> Bless y'all. Y'all getting smart on me, ain't you? Yeah. Praise the Lord. In Christ alone. On Christ alone, my hope is found. He is my light, my strength, my song. This cornerstone, this solid ground, firm through the fiercest drought and storm. What heights of love, what depths of peace, when fears are still, when striving cease. My comforter, my all in all, here in the love of Christ I stand. In Christ alone, who took on flesh, fullness of God in helpless faith, this gift of love. Righteousness scorned by the ones he came to save. Till on that cross, as Jesus died, the wrath of God 
Christmas once more. Turn with me to Revelation chapter number 5 this morning. Revelation chapter number 5. Today as we wrap up our Christmas sermon series, I've thoroughly enjoyed what the Lord has given me, uh, not because I've made it sound good, but because of what He's shown me about who Christ is, because truly every single series that that is preached here, every sermon that is preached here must be a Christmas series. You say, what does that mean? It means that Christ has come and He came with purpose. He came to die for my sins, for your sins, but He didn't stay dead. He rose again the third day according to the Scripture to offer forgiveness of sins, to reconcile us to a holy God who loves us. And as we've just sung and in Christ alone and throughout the songs and throughout all the songs this month, and praise the Lord for each of them that point us and pointed us and drew us to Christ that show us that Jesus came, He put on flesh, the fullness of God and helpless babe, and yet what He did is so marvelous just to put on flesh, but then He served us, He cared for us, He bled and died for those who rejected Him, who despised Him. He died for the rebel, He died for you and me to carry our sins, to carry our sorrows away, to offer us life. He left heaven to come to earth so that one day we can leave earth and go to heaven because of His goodness, His kindness, not because we earned it, not because we deserved it, but simply because that's who He is. Every message must point to the Gospel. Everything that we do here must point and reveal more and more of, of who Christ is to us. And today what we're going to see here is, I believe, perhaps one of the most wonderful Christmas passages that there ever could be. And it has nothing to do with the manger. Revelation chapter 5, And I saw on the right hand of Him that sat on the throne. And by the way, there is a throne. There is a throne room where the Lord our God rules and reigns forever and forever. There's never been a time where Jesus has not been Lord. He was Lord long before Bethlehem. And He'll be Lord long after. Jesus Christ is King of kings and Lord of lords. Only God rules. And He rules righteously and justly. And this Christmas, you can count on this. It does not matter how you feel, what you think. Uh, the things around you that might be caving in, you can rest assured that God is God. Amen. And He's big enough for whatever you got in your life. He is mighty enough for whatever you need moved. 
He is able to see your heart, to see your circumstance, and He identifies with it. That's why He put on flesh. He knows your pain. He knows your sorrows. He knows your sickness. He knows your tears. And He cares much more deeply. And He cares while He is high and lofty upon His throne, yet He came lowly and humbly. Sat on the throne a book written within on the backside and within and on the backside sealed with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the book and to loose the seals thereof? By the way, Merry Christmas. This is talking about the judgment of God. I can't think of anything more Christmassy than the judgment of God. You might go, that sounds insane. You see, I want you to know, the judgment of God and Christmas go hand in hand. Because if Christ does not come, the judgment of God, the wrath of God abides on you and not on Christ. Jesus came. God came in the flesh so that He would satisfy the wrath of His Father. There in the darkness of Calvary's hill, He was forsaken by His own Father. He died alone. And He died as sin itself. He who knew no sin became sin. He became a curse. A curse for you. God crushed His Son and judged every sin of yours in Jesus Christ. But if you are not in Jesus Christ, then one day you will face God as judge and wrath will then be poured out once more upon you. Forever and forever. And nothing will keep it from being poured out. Christmas and judgment go hand in hand because if Christ doesn't come, all we will ever know is judgment. But because Christ has come, as we're going to see, as the lion who judges, who rules and reigns, but as the lamb, we can now freely come. And we no longer have to face such a judgment for our sins because He was judged for sins of which He never committed. He was judged for my sins for my pride, for my lust, for my greed, for my ungratefulness, for my gossip, for my bitterness, for yours too. And no man in heaven nor in earth, neither under the earth, was able to open the book, neither to look thereon. John says, I wept much. Because there was no man found worthy to open and to read the book, neither to look thereon. And one of the elders said unto me, Weep not. Behold, as we've been talking about all Christmas season, behold the Christ of Christmas. Look here. Behold, the Lion of the tribe of Judah, the Root of David, hath prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. And I beheld, and lo, in the midst of the throne, and of the four beasts, and in the midst of the elders, stood a lamb as it had been slain having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God, sent forth into all the earth. And he came and took the book out of the right hand of him that sat upon the throne. And when he had taken the book, the four beasts and the four and twenty elders fell down before the Lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book, and to open the seals thereof, for thou wast slain, and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood, out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation, and hast made us unto our God kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. And I beheld, and I heard the voice of many angels round about the throne, same angels that were there that night, ushering in 
Christ coming. And I beheld and I heard the voice of many angels round about the throne and the beasts and the elders, and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands. Saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing and every creature which is in heaven and on earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them heard I saying blessing and honor and glory and power be unto him that sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb forever and ever. And the four beasts said, Amen. And the four and twenty elders fell down and worshipped Him that liveth forever and ever. Let us pray. Lord God, we come to You. We thank You. We thank You that we could celebrate this Christmas season all month long to sing of these carols of Christmas, how Jesus came and He put on flesh to die for us. Lord, this morning I pray that it would not be me that preaches Your Word, but You, O Lord. God, that You would do so for Your name and Your glory's sake. God, if there's one today who does not know You as Lord and Savior, God, I pray that they would not have to face judgment, but rather that they would come willingly now and humble themselves before You, that You would draw them to repentance and faith, that they would trust in Christ and Christ alone for their salvation. Lord, today if there's one who's grown cold, if there's one who's grown uncaring, if there's one who's restless, if there's one who's hurting, Lord, meet that need as only you can through, through your word. We love you and we thank you for this time. In Jesus' name, amen. All month long, we've been asking the question, what child is this? Looking at the Christ of Christmas, we have seen that he is meek and he's mighty. We've seen that he is lowly, but he is Lord. We have seen that he is the sovereign, suffering servant. And today we see that Jesus Christ is the lion and the lamb. You cannot be both but He is. You can be one or the other. You can be fierce and mighty like a lion, or you can be lowly and sheepish like a lamb, but He is both because He is the God-man from eternity past to eternity present. He is, he is the lion and the lamb. And we're going to see the importance of both of these in this passage, not just what it means for the end here, because when we see Revelation 5, you go, well, this is just preparing for the great time of judgment upon the earth. And yes, it is. And because of that, we find that there is only one who has all authority and power and might to bring about judgment upon the earth, and it is none other than Jesus Christ, the Lion and the Lamb. There is none other who can. Who, when, when the world has sinned and rebelled, who have they sinned and rebelled against? Who have you and I sinned and rebelled against? You say, well, one another. Well, well certainly God. Yes, here's who we have sinned and rebelled against. The Lion of Judah, the Lamb of God. The one who holds all authority, the one who holds all might and power, the very Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last, the one that holds the keys to, to life and death, the very one who created us and formed and fashioned us, the very one who spoke the world into existence, the one that sustains all things, holds all things, and by his blood it seeks to reconcile all things unto himself. What we're going to see today is that he has the right to be the lion because He chose to be the Lamb. He has the right to rule over every moment of your life. Because He is the Lion. But because He laid down His life as the Lamb. Jesus deserves much more than what we give to Him. Praise God that there's a Revelation 5 coming in your eternity and in mine. That we can worship the Lord freely, perfectly, completely, forever and forever and forever. And if that sounds boring to you, I'm not sure that you know Christ. 
you must know this Jesus who is the lion and the lamb. Because if you've not bowed to the lamb, you will face a lion and you will be devoured. None can stand before the lion and the lamb. None can open the book or the seals thereof of which only he can open up. See, when we focus on the Christ of Christmas and all these messages, and any time that we focus on Christ Himself as we ought to every, every day, it brings us to a place of humility, it drives us to holiness, and it calls us to honor Christ alone. He alone deserves it, especially at Christmas. As we look here today in verses 1-5, through five, we have essentially two points today. One, in verses 1 through 5, behold the lion. We love meek and lowly and mild Jesus who suffers the little children to come unto him and who says, Blessed are the meek. We love the Jesus of Christmas because he's lying in a manger and wrapped in swaddling clothes, and people are shepherds and kings are bringing him gifts, and things are so nice and so lovely and so wonderful. But you and I must understand that Jesus is a lion. And a lion is not gentle. A lion is mighty, powerful. He is the promised lion, born in a manger. Lions don't get born in a manger, but this one did. First of all, we find as John is looking and he sees that there's this this scroll that is sealed up with seven seals. And what we're about to see in chapter 6 is that six of the seals are opened up. These are called the seal judgments. These are going to be unleashed upon the earth in a real tribulation period that is coming one day. Now I thank the Lord that because I'm in Christ, one day before that day of tribulation comes, the great day of tribulation, He's going to call His church out of here. But until that day, He says you're going to have tribulations. He says expect persecution, expect suffering, expect these things. All the while we can trust that there is coming a day where God will reign and rule and will crush all of His enemies and bring all of His children who belong to Him who are in Christ and will draw us to Him and we shall have His presence and His perfect peace forever and forever. We find that in this scroll as well is the all of history wrapped up, if you will. It is the, the title deed of given to Christ for Him to rule and to reign forever and forever. All authority, as Jesus said in the Gospels, has been given to Him by the Father. That He came not to do His own will, but He came to do the will of the One who sent Him. And that God the Father Himself has placed all authority to judge the nations, to Jesus Christ, to judge the church, because Jesus bought it and He builds it. And therefore, it belongs to Him. Every believer, from the pastor down, and everyone in between, because we are no different when we stand before the Lion and the Lamb. As we look here, we find that all authority is now given to Christ and He steps forward and He's about to unleash in chapter 6 judgment, just judgment. And He does so righteously and perfectly and with a holy love, mind you. We don't think of judgment being loving, but it is, it is an expression of His love. Because He vindicates those who have trusted in Him, but as well as He crushes those who have rebelled against His rule and authority. And you will not be in a no man's land in between. You will either be with Him or you will be against Him. And to be against Christ means that He will be against you. And there is nothing more fearsome to think that the Lion of Judah is against you. I'm a big, tough-looking, ugly-looking mostly dude. 
I'd wrestle just about anybody. You get me a bear small enough, and if it eats marshmallows and I can tame it down a little bit, I'd even wrestle that. But I won't wrestle a lion. Our missionary, Mati, a good dear friend of mine, he said, Brother, you need to come to Africa with me. And I said, hey, Mati, they got lions there. I got bears here, now don't get me wrong, but I ain't wrestling a lion. Because there's nothing more fierce. There's nothing as mighty, as authoritative. I would say to you today, dear Christians, some of you are wrestling with a lion. I would say to you today, if you are lost and you have never truly come to a place of repentance, you are wrestling with a lion. And there will be a day when He will show you how untamed He is. And He will show you that He alone is the one with all authority. That same lion of Revelation 5 is the same lion cub there in the manger with Mary. No different. The mightiest thing there that night of Jesus' birth in the world, it's not a lion or an elephant. It's not Mary or Joseph. That's the strongest thing that night in that manger. It's Christ. He is the lion. All are found to be unworthy and unable to open the scroll, except here in verse 5, we find one of the most wonderful sermons ever. In just a few short words. First of all, behold. Behold the lion of the tribe of Judah. Look! Behold! All December long, we've tried to look! Behold the Christ of Christmas as you peer into that manger scene and you see that little babe, that you must find Him to be, yes, meek, but He is mighty. You must see that He's lowly. Clearly, he's a, he's, a, he's a baby. But He is Lord. You see the life of Christ as one who suffered and served people that were ungrateful and unthankful and unworthy of even His presence. But yet He was sovereign all the way through it. Even on the cross. And as we behold the Christ of Christmas, we find that as we peer once more into that manger scene, into that nativity night, we find the Lion and the Lamb. Behold the Lion of the tribe of Judah. Lions symbolize power, fierceness, majesty. Judah, the Lion of Judah, is the kingly or royal tribe. Now, the ruling party of the lineages was supposed to go to the oldest. The oldest child was to make the decisions. Was Judah the oldest? No. And that's because God uses not what man thinks He ought to use, but what He chooses to use. God uses the least likely, the unsuspecting. He doesn't pick the big strong brothers. He picks David. He doesn't pick uh, the firstborn Ishmael. He picks Isaac. He picks Jacob, the one who was a liar and a con artist but He picks those who say yes to Him. He picks those who we find throughout the Scripture. He picks them and they come to this place of where they simply trust Him because they know their sin because it's ever before them and they know that they've got no hope except the covenant-making, covenant-keeping God of creation. Jehovah the Lord. Behold the Lion of the tribe of Judah. To those here in Revelation 5 that are literally around the throne, this gives great hope to you and I. 
But you and I don't talk about Jesus as being the line of Judah much because you and I go, well, we're not Jewish. We don't care so much about lineages and things like that. But the great part of Christmas and many Christmas messages that I've heard already this December have focused on that beautiful lineage that shows that Jesus alone has the right to rule because it is his lineage that points to David, that points all the way back to Abraham, that he is the second Adam, the true and better Adam, the one who has come to perfectly obey the Lord instead of disobey, the one who's come to bring life instead of death. We thank the Lord for such. When we look at this line of Judah, though, I want us to hold a place here. Turn back with me. And if you can't, that's okay. i got a lot of Scripture. Genesis 49. Jacob, he's got a bunch of sons, and he's about to die. And as his uh, time was when, when these men, these patriarchs were dying, and they knew they were dying. They would literally be on their deathbeds, if you will. They would bring in their children unto them, their, their sons, and they would bless them with gifts. They would bless them with certain land and certain things, certain titles. Here, Jacob is blessing his sons in Genesis chapter 49. <coughs> Genesis 49, verses 8 through 12, we're going to see a prophecy of Christ. This is why the whole Bible lines up together. This is why we must understand that Jesus is preached in Genesis. He's preached in Revelation. He was lion and lamb in Revelation 5. He's lion and lamb long before Genesis is even coming about. Jacob blesses his son in verse 8. Judah, thou art he whom thy brethren shall praise. His name even means praise. Thy hand shall be in the neck of thine enemies. Thy father's children shall bow down before thee. I would tell you before we get into verse 9, in verse 8, we already see prophecy of Jesus, don't we? Thy hand shall be in the neck of thine enemies. Why? Because there will be a day where God Himself, where Jesus Christ Himself will say no more to His enemies. It'll be done. He says then, Thy father's children shall bow down before thee. Those who are a part of the lineage of faith, who trust in the Lord, who trust in God's promise and provision will be brought into His presence. And we now shall bow before Him to honor and glorify Him forever and ever. Verse 9, Judah is a lion's whelp. From the prey, my son, thou art gone up. He stooped down and he couched as a lion. And as an old lion, who shall rouse him up? Who, who can... Face him. He says in verse 10, The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from between his feet until Shiloh come. How come Shiloh's capitalized? Shiloh wasn't just a place in Israel. Shiloh is the name of Christ. It means one of, of peace. It is one, literally in its root meaning, it means whose it is. Whose what is? Whose it is. Meaning all authority, all power, all might, the ability to rule with a scepter justly and perfectly and completely belongs to this individual. Who is it? It is Christ. The line of Judah. He goes on and he says, And unto him shall the gathering of the people be, because he is Shiloh, and yes, he has the right to rule his ruling and authority and scepter does not push away, but rather draws near. It brings in those who trust in Him. And He rules righteously. And He gathers His people once more. And that day for Israel is coming. And that day for you and I is coming. 
Binding his foal unto the vine and his ass's colt unto the choicest vine, he washes garments in wine and his clothes in the blood of grapes. His eyes shall be red with wine and his teeth white with milk. This is a picture of the beauty uh, and the, the land of things that will be given under his rule, the peacefulness, the luxuries, uh, the, the uh, absolute wonder of his kingdom that is coming. Furthermore, Isaiah tells us about him being the one who is promised to rule. Isaiah 9, 6 and 7, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, the government shall be upon his shoulder. His name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of His government and peace, there shall be no end upon the throne of David. Notice that royal lineage. Judah, David, Christ. And He's a much better king than those two ever could be. Because He's perfect. He's righteous in all that He does. He is holy in all that He does. Because He is God. Furthermore, we see Jesus' majesty and power being rejected in His first coming, but it will be unleashed in His second. Veiled in flesh in His first. Unveiled when He comes again. Though there are those who right now will pound their chest and will lash their tongues and, and grind their teeth at God and it even speaks of such in Revelation. During the tribulation, they'll look up and they'll hate the Lamb. Cursed is Him. That's what sin does. That's what sinful, lost people do, no matter how good, kind, and religious they may be. Every sin does such. Every sin is an affront to the authority of Jesus Christ, the Lion of Judah. Every sin says, I should be upon the throne. I have rule over my life. I am my own captain of my own soul. No, my dear friend, you are not. When we think about this lion, we see as well something important. A lion is fierce. A lion has authority to rule, to judge. C.S. Lewis wrote a lot of things. He was a Christian writer. Much of his writings pointed to Christ. He wrote a wonderful children's novel and even good for adults, The Chronicles of Narnia. Chronicles of Narnia, specifically in one of the books, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, what we find is this character who is the true king of Narnia. His name is Aslan. He's a lion. He's a fierce lion. An authoritative lion. A strong lion. As Lewis wrote, he was to picture the life of Christ. During this time, there was a plenty of wickedness and rebellion in his kingdom, but there are some young people who have made their way through a wardrobe into Narnia, and they find themselves with one of Aslan's true followers. They're being persecuted, mind you. And they know that they're about to get to meet Aslan as he's about to reveal himself to the world. Aslan is a lion. The lion. The great lion. Oh, said Susan, I'd thought he was a man. Is he quite safe? I shall feel rather nervous about meeting a lion. Safe, said Mr. Beaver. Who said anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe, but he's good. He's the king, I tell you. The reason why I can dwell in the safety of Christ 
is not because he's the lion, but because he's the lion and the lamb. It's because those who can dwell in safety in the presence of the lion have come and trusted in him as the lamb. If you have not come to him and trusted in his sacrifice for your sins as the lamb of God, you will face a very unsafe life. But you will face a good one, a just one, a righteous one. He is mighty as a lion, gentle as a lamb. He then is shown as the root of David, the promised branch as Isaiah 11 tells us. Isaiah 11 tells us this, And there shall come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse, a branch shall grow out of his roots. And the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. And shall make him of quick understanding in the fear of the Lord. Why do you keep seeing fear the Lord, fear the Lord? There's nothing more Christmassy than to fear the Lord. To know God. To know Jesus is to know Him as the Lion and the Lamb. And it is to bring us to a place of holy fear where we will bow our knee to Him. That we can freely know Him, rest in Him, abide in Him, and He in us. But with righteousness shall He judge the poor and reprove with equity for the meek of the earth. And He shall smite the earth with the rod of His mouth and with breath of His lips shall He slay the wicked. That's the Lion. And righteousness shall be the girdle of his loins, and faithfulness the girdle of his reins. Is he safe? No, but he's good. He's the king, I tell you. The wolf also shall dwell with the lamb, and the leopard shall lie down with the kid, and the calf, and the young lion, and the fatling together, and a little child shall lead them. How can that be? Because the lion of Judah is going to reign in the coming kingdom. And the cow and the bear shall feed. And their young ones shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like an ox. How can that happen? Because the lion shall reign one day, my friend. And the sucking child shall play on the hole of an asp, and the weaned child shall put his hand in the cockatrice's den. He shall poison his animals. They, they shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain, for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. And in that day, there shall be a root of Jesse which shall stand for an ensign of the people to which shall the Gentiles seek and his rest shall be glorious. And it shall come to pass in that day that the Lord shall set his hand again the second time to recover the remnant of his people. That day's coming. He alone has prevailed. Not like other men have. When you and I think of the rising and the falling of kings and kingdoms, we think about spilling of blood, don't we? If one nation wants to take over another nation, you know what they'll do? They'll take up arms and they'll go shed blood until they take over that other nation. If a king wants to take down another king and to rule his land, he'll go and he'll spill his blood to rule his land. Here we find the most fierce person of all, God Himself. He does not rule by spilling the blood of others. He rules by spilling His own blood. The blood of His Son, Jesus Christ. The King. The Lamb. Now in verse 6-14. to 14, Verse 5 calls us to behold this lion. 
And he's prevailed alone to open the book and to loose the seals thereof. And that's what he's going to do one day, my dear friend. Do you know him? Have you been born again? Have you come to the Lamb so you will not be bitten by the lion? Do you know him? In verse 6 to 14, what we find now is the second part of this message, and that is this Behold the Lamb. I would tell you this that's the message of Scripture. Behold the Lamb. Behold the Lamb. From Garden of Eden, Gethsemane, and Golgotha, we hear the cry, Behold the Lamb. I don't know what God Himself preached as He clothed Adam and Eve there in the garden with innocent blood. In order to get innocent blood, there had to be shedding of innocent blood. In order for them to be clothed in the coats of skins, there had to be an animal that had to die. And God preached to them, because there's no preacher that preaches like God. Perhaps his message was as simple as behold the lamb. But there in that garden was the promise of the true lamb, the sacrificial lamb that we find all throughout the scripture that we find there in Revelation 5 holding all authority because he's not just the lamb, he's the lion too. The lion is the lamb and the lamb is the lion. We find this, Luke chapter 2, here's your Christmas message, all right? Luke chapter 2, verse number 7, And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And they were in the same country, shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch of their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them. And the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And they were so afraid. He said, we're not supposed to be afraid of that. Oh, is he safe? No, but he's good. And the angel said, fear not. Why? Because he's not just a lion. Lamb. That's why today the message at Christmas could be just that as well. Fear not. Today I can tell you today, if you are in Christ, fear not the lion because you know the lamb. And the lamb is the lion. Trust in him. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And it came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. Of all people, made it known to them. Untrustworthy shepherds. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. The angel's message is this. Behold the lamb, dear shepherds. These shepherds are keeping watch more than likely over the temple sheep that are there to be slaughtered. That's their whole life. Live until they are slaughtered for the remission of sins. That's their life. And God says, Dear shepherds, that's the real lamb. That's the real lamb. That's the one. And once he is slaughtered by my own hand, there will never have to be another one again. Because only his blood is sufficient. Behold the lamb. 
And then what do the shepherds get to do when they show up and they see the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes lying in a manger? They get to behold the lamb. All their sheep are out back, maybe crowding around, peeking in themselves. Who knows? But they get to feast their eyes upon the lamb. The rest of the temple sheep didn't matter no more once they had seen the lamb. John chapter 1. John chapter 1, the next day John, the Baptist that is, see of Jesus coming unto him and saith, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. That's what the Lamb came to do. He dies not for anything that he has done, but because someone else has done something. He dies in someone else's stead. The Lamb of God of Revelation 5, of Bethlehem, there at John's baptism, and in eternity past, came to die not for his sins, but for yours and mine. That's the Christmas story. Jesus, the Lamb of God, behold Him. Furthermore, Hebrews tells us this in chapter 9, but Christ being come and high priest of good things to come by greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, as is to say, not of this building, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by His own blood He entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. He is the perfect mediator because He's not just the great high priest of the year slaughtering the animals of blood of, of goats and, and bulls and rams and sheep. He is the priest he is a sacrifice. It is His blood. And His blood only that will allow you to enter in to see the Lord. It is His blood that makes the way when there was no way. It is His blood that cleanses you from all sins. It is His blood alone that is able to atone. It is His blood alone that is able to reconcile, to redeem you, to save you today. If you have never trusted in the, the blood of the Lamb, then you must today. Today is the day of salvation. The greatest gift that you might receive today is just that. Receive the gift of the blood of the Lamb and be washed as white as snow. There's much more there in Hebrews 9. It would add for another about an hour and a half of preaching. <laughs> but here's what we find back in Revelation. Revelation 5. Verse number 6. Verse 5 tells us, Behold the, the lion. We see the root of David. We find that he is the promised one of old. Verse 6, I beheld and lo, in the midst of the throne and of the four beasts, in the midst of the elders stood a lamb as it had been slain. Let me read that slowly. Stood a lamb as it had been. Jesus had been slain, but He is not slain any longer. He is victor. He is victor on the cross. He is victor in the grave. He is victor in the empty tomb. He is victor here in Revelation 5, and today He still stands victor. Jesus Christ is the Lamb that had been slain, and He was slain for your sins and mine. He was slain to take your place. He was slain 
so that the judgment of His Father, the wrath of Almighty God, would abide upon Him and not you. That day on Calvary's cross, it was not just that Jesus bled a little and died or fainted or swooned. It was not even just that He paid the price for your sins, and yes, He did. But as He was slain, He was sin itself. The very curse itself had been slain for you. He took our place. The great exchange. And notice this description of Him. Not only is a lamb as it had been slain, but having seven horns, seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent forth in all the earth. We find some more about who Jesus is here. Seven horns. Horns in the Bible are that of authority. That of power. Here we find these seven horns, that of being completion. The number seven. Completion, perfection. It is that He is perfect power. Complete power itself. He has perfect and complete authority over all things, including you and me. To think this morning, on Christmas morning nonetheless, that God doesn't care as much about your life or the little things of your life, it is to underestimate who God is. Behold the Lion, the Lamb, who has all authority, all power. He is omnipotent, all-powerful, seven eyes. Here it is the idea of knowledge and sight. He knows all things, sees all things. He sees not only what you do, what you say, what you think. He sees why you think it, why you feel it. He knows the motivation of your heart as to why you're here this morning. He knows the motive behind every gift that you gave. And He knows every little lie that you told like, oh, this is nice, it's just my size. He knows. And yet He still loves you. He knows every dark corner of your heart. And he still loves you. But He loves you and desires to be the light so there would be no more dark corner. To reprove you of your sin so that you may enter in to His rest. He is all-knowing. There in that manger, we hear songs like, Mary, did you know? And she'd been told some things that I don't think she knew all the details of what would happen in the life of Jesus. But I can tell you this, long before Jesus was born and put on that flesh for us, he knew everything he would face. Before he even said, let there be light. He knew every wicked word that would be said to him on his way to the cross. He knew every person. Matter of fact, you think about this there. When we talk about Jesus' cruel day of death, there were those after they had blindfolded him, and they would smite him and smack him and punch him and rip up his beard. Who did it? Prophesy. Who did it? Prophesy. Oh, he knew. Not because of his physical eyes, but because he knew every punch and smack. 
long before Genesis 1-1. And he still came. He knew everything that he would face in this world. He knew the rejection and great loss of which he would face there as he became sin, the curse itself for us. And he still came. He knew the pain and the agony which awaited him, and he still went. Because he loves you. He loves me. He is all-knowing. It says, which are the seven spirits of God sent forth in the all of the earth. There is not a molecule in the universe or on this earth that you can see or cannot see that He does not know about and sees. There is nothing that can go too far that He cannot reach. There is nothing and no one that escapes His rule and His might. The idea of the seven spirits of God here is perfection, but as well presence. He is not just omnipotent with his seven horns and omniscient with his seven eyes. He is omnipresent. He's everywhere. He is all present. He's already in the eternity future. He's right here. He's in yesterday and he's in tomorrow. He knows all things. Today, if we understand that and we agree and we acknowledge that in our minds, when will we acknowledge that in our hearts? You and I go, well, preacher, I know he's all-knowing and all-powerful and all-present and all these things. If we know it here, we better know it here because it makes all the difference of how we will live. You can know these doctrines eight ways to Sunday and still not know Christ. You can say in your mind, well, I know he's the lion and he was, he's going to judge all the bad people one day. Or He's the lamb, you know, he died for my sins. You can know that right here all day long. But if you have never trusted that in your heart, you're missing it. You must know the lion and the lamb. For he knows you. And he died for you. Look at this passage and we'll be done. He took the book because he alone has authority as the lion and the lamb. And they fall down before the lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of the saints. Here we find his worthiness. It says, and they sung a new song saying, thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof. For thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation. Heaven's not going to look as white as we think it is. Heaven is not going to look as covered in pews and Baptist hymnals as we think it is. Heaven is not going to have as much southern drawl as we'd like. Heaven is not about country songs, about ponds and cabins and dirt roads. No, my friend, it's about the Lamb. And He will draw His people unto Himself. And there will be saved folks 
that didn't gather on Christmas, that did gather on Christmas, that held him books, that didn't hold him books, that never spoke English. Because his blood and his blood alone is able to save all who will willingly be cleansed by faith. But today it's offered. And a gift offered today can't be received tomorrow. It's offered today. Do you know Christ? But notice this. He says, and He has made us unto our God kings and priests. What a gift that is. And we shall reign on the earth with Christ, for Christ, through Christ. Now beheld, and I heard the voice of many angels. And he says that there's a number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands. It's the idea of myriads times myriads. It's an innumerable host. Saying with a loud voice, worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches, wisdom, strength, honor, glory, blessing. Have you given Him your power? Have you given Him your riches? Have you given Him your wisdom? Your strength? Your honor? Any glory you might have? Any blessing you might have? If not, today's the day. After all, it is better to give than to receive, is it not? And we have received so much in Christ. Who are we to withhold anything from Him? And every creature which is in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and such as are in the sea, and all that are in them heard I saying, Blessing and honor and glory and power be unto Him that sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb forever and ever. And the four beasts said, Amen. And the four and twenty elders fell down and worshipped Him that liveth forever and ever. All things belong unto Him. The Christ of Christmas is the Lion and the Lamb. Though He is meek, He is mighty. Though He is lowly, He is Lord. Though He is the suffering servant, He is sovereign. Though He died as a Lamb, He rose and ascended and reigns as the Lion and Lamb of God. Do you know Christ? Are you in Him? Have you been washed and cleansed, covered by His blood? Will you be devoured by this lion in judgment? Or will you be able to be there with every kindred and tribe and tongue to sing, worthy is the Lamb? When we behold the Christ of Christmas, our only response is to worship Him. When we think of Christ, Christmas, Easter, Tuesday afternoon, your response had better be worship. Worship takes a couple things. Your humility. Second, to give honor to Him. We can't get low enough and we can never lift Him high enough. Today, this Christmas, what will you do with these truths? What will you do with the lion and the lamb? I thank God 
that He is the Lion and the Lamb. And though He is mighty and powerful and fearsome, though even as Lewis put it, He's not safe, but He's good. He's the King, I tell you. I ask you, have you bowed your knee to Christ today? Let's all stand this morning. We're going to have an invitation hymn today. If you don't know Christ, would you come? We take the Bible and show you Jesus. Trust in Him. Be born again today. Today, if you've grown cold, tired, weary, today if you've lost your luster and your walk with Him, would you behold the Christ of Christmas? Behold the Lion. Behold the Lion and the Lamb. Come, worship the Lord Jesus.